0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipilevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So, and um, one of the things we showed was that how far you take it, right? Every, everyone has to agree to a certain extent that the Torah is not in order. The idea that the Torah is not in order is not the same thing as saying, muharbatura. What is that the Torah is not predictive, is not um, is not presumptively in order, right? Meaning that you can have things in the Torah that don't have any markers of flashbacks or foreshadowings, um, and because all of a sudden, right, you're just you know you just have intercuts of shots from previous scenes, and you have to figure out yourself uh, that this must be a flashback or this must be a foreshadowing. Uh, right, you don't even have cues the way you would in a movie, you know, of, of shifting the shifting the scene explicitly or shifting the coloring or something like that. So the radical example of that we gave um, two weeks ago in the context uh, we're talking about the Slav and the Man. So we talked about Bechor Shor's position that the story of the Slav in Parsha Peshalach is the same as the story of the Slav of Kivrota um, Ta'va in Bamidbar. Um, but that actually the slav didn't happen at the time of the beginning of the month in Bishalach. It's one story, but it's foreshadowed in Bishalach without telling you that it's a foreshadowing. It just says uh, ta'ala slav. The slav went up, and it really doesn't happen for another year. So that's an extreme example. of machar Torah that a scene is pasted in. It doesn't really happen then. It's it's a foreshadowing, and there's nothing whatever in the Torah that tells you uh, that tells you what it's about, and it doesn't. It's not clear at all why it's doing it. To me, the important question is always why. Right? If you're telling the story out of order, why are you telling it that way? But I'm also interested in the question of how, how radically can you make the claim the Torah is out of order? Can you claim it's like, so for example, that's that's half, uh, right? that's half a pusuk? Can that half pusuk be um, be in one be in one century and the next half pusuk be somewhere else? So that's the introduction what i want to do uh what i want to do um this week um i guess sorry i need a second introduction second introduction is is yep
1: Hmm. Ah. well you're not out of ignorance right you're just possibly
0: like before sure (laughs) <laughs> Excellent. The Korshaw's general position is that all the stories that look alike in Bibber, it only happens once. That's one of the Korshure's great original positions. Um, so yeah.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, right now. Now you
0: have wild confidence. Okay. Great. Um okay. So not for the share 2 weeks ago, but I probably um probably familiar with that the classic example of Ein Mugdam, there are two classic examples of Ein Mugdam Luchar as a dispute among the among the Rishonim. Uh, one is, when does the Tzivoy for the Mishkan happen? Does the Tzivoy for the Mishkan happen before or after the uh, Egel Azahav, or both? And that, obviously, we have the apparent duplicates of Trumat and Vayakhil Pekudeh. And the story of the Egel takes place in the middle of Kisisa. So you have the position, right? So you can you can locate it temper wherever you want, and you can have the complicated notion that it, that the Mishkan was commanded both before and after, but its meaning changed. Um, right? So the the story is entirely chronological. That Ramban's Yeshbuchdam vucharba Torah position: the Torah is completely chronological, and the Mishkan is commanded twice, but the meaning of the Mishkan changes because of the Eglazav in the middle. So that's one uh, that's one classic incidence. and the other is the relationship of the um, Beginning of Parshish Yisro to the rest to the Asar Hatibrot, whether Yisro comes before or after Matan right? And that's the Befesh uh, Machlokas or as Yeshua in the Gemara, right? Whether uh, whether whether Yisro comes because he hears of Matan Torah or whether Yisro comes um, comes in time from Matan Torah. If you're reading in order, obviously Yisro comes before, um, in time from Matan and if you think that Yisro came because of Matan so then obviously uh, you think that the, you think the text is out of order, and then you have to figure out how far out of order. Uh, how far out of order is the text So those are those are I think the classic instances in addition to the uh, to the issues that we've raised already. What I want to do uh, today is point out uh, an issue that seems to have a narrower scope and let's try and figure out um, figure out what the um, what the meaning uh, what the meaning of it is if we can. So here so, so here I'm going to give you um, two sections in Schmote. And we'll just point out, right? There's, there are obvious difficulties trying to figure out what the connection is. The first is from this week's parsha. This is the at the very end of parsha Mishpatim. After we've gone through all the, uh, all the laws of Emor and you know and, and Shomrim and stuff like that. So it says, So Hashem says to Moshe, and I indent when we're talking about the uh, we're talking about um, who we're quoting. So Moshe was told, Hashem, go up to Hashem. Who? You and Aaron and Adav and Avihu. And Israel and you should bow to Hashem from uh, from a distance there's a lay El Hashem, but you don't get all the way there you bow from a distance and then at some point in the distance then Moshe is supposed to go up himself to Hashem without everybody else and the people don't go up at all right so you have you right you have a, a three three layer system right Moshe gets to go all the way to the top he's accompanied partially. By uh, right by Aaron, Nadav, and Abihu and the l Israel, um, and the rest of the people stay at the bottom. Okay, so good. This is what Hashem says to Moshe. Then it says, Moshe." So Moshe comes from where? Did he go up the mountain already, or didn't he? So we're, just, we're just pointing out the chronological difficulty in a single in the single narrative. So Moshe comes; we don't know from where. And he tells uh, the people all the words of Hashem. So what does that mean? All these words of hashem right the right about how they're going up the mountain or is it talking about something else entirely and then we add in the eight column mishpatim so what are these mishpatim nobody mentioned mishpatim over here so does that mean that we're that we're totally out of the we're totally out of the context of this statement or that he told them everything here plus he told them about some mishpatim now we have a whole parsha called mishpatim so maybe moshe is using this occasion to tell them about the mishpatim Everybody, the whole nation answers in one voice, and they say, nase. "All the Dream Hashem said, we'll say." Now, what is "kol hadvarim"? Um, so, "koladvarim" could be the same thing as "kol divrei. And then, what happened to the mishpatim? So, "koladivrei" means "kolhadvarim" means the divrei plus the mishpatim, um, right? That's a very, um, very hard to figure out, right? What is? Are they explicit leaving out the leaving out the mishpatim? If Divrei Hashem refers to these things, so that, right, so Kol Advarim, uh, right, Kol Divrei, you could say, refers to everything up here because of a three-part system, but you can't have the people say Kol Advarim in just relation to that because they have nothing, to, they, have no, they don't have Kol Advarim to do. All they have is just stay at the bottom of the mountain. Okay. So, right, so, so far we have the thing Hashem actually says to Moshe. We have the things, Divrei and Mishpatim, that Moshe says to the people. We have the the thing that people agree to, which is Kol Hadverim Cherdiber Hashem. And now Moshe comes and he writes something down. Tov Moshe et kol So Moshe writes down Kol Hashem again, but not not mentioning mishpatim. Is it the same Dverim they just agreed to, or not? Okay. And then Moshe gets up in the morning. He builds a mizbeach and Matzevot. He, right, he, he, right, he 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 sends the na'arim to Israel somewhere to make, bring korbanos. He takes some of the blood. He takes the Sefer Habarit. Okay, beikach sefer habrit. Now, what is the sefer habrit? It could be the sefer habrit. is the same as the kol devar Hashem, but then the kol devar Hashem can't refer to this anymore. This seems like a pretty elaborate thing, right? Pretty sorry, pretty insufficient thing to call the kol devar HaBrit. So we don't really know what the kol de HaBrit is. Does it include the mishpatim? Uh, it's really puzzling. Right? So Moshe takes Moshe writes one scroll which has devar Hashem. He takes another scroll which he calls the sefer habrit, and he reads it out loud. Biyaznei ha'am. And now they say, so obvious puzzle is what does Nishma add to Naseh? Is there a difference between the Dvarim mentioned here and here which just says Kolosh Hashem, and doesn't mention Kohadvarim? Okay, then Moshe finishes it, and it's all great. Okay, so we have Moshe is told to go up to Hashem. He comes from somewhere, he engages right, he has one conversation with the people, he writes something down, he has a second conversation with the people. Then Moshe actually goes up with the WW achievements in Israel and they have this very puzzling vision which we're not going to get to to, uh, to talk about uh, we don't know what the last puzzling means at all okay so now uh, the question is so now Moshe goes up when all right we could say that Moshe Hashem says this to Moshe and then Moshe comes and everything that happens afterwards and then Moshe goes up. So you have to try and figure out, so why doesn't Moshe go up immediately as soon as Hashem tells him to? Uh, or we could say that this is a flashback. Moshe had already gone up, but why, does it, why wait to tell it? Why, why does this interject? Very, very puzzling on its own. Okay, now we're going to make it worse. We're going to go back five prakim, right? All this was this week's part. So we're going to go back five prakim to the uh, the section just before the Aser Debrot. And this section begins Allah oh good All right so is that the same thing as meaning that this is telling us that right this is telling us about Moshe was told to do something five prokim earlier right so the the framework of el Moshe amar uh, right so the usual rule of thumb is that the by el Moshe um, is in the present but el Moshe amar is the poofer Perfect. Hashem had told Moshe at some previous time. So good. So maybe this is when Moshe goes up. Okay. So this is when Moshe goes up. So then, what about this? So it could be that this, from Moshe, this was the first part of going up, and this is the second part of going up. Meaning, this whole story in Perik Chavdalit is really the introduction to Perik and the whole story is completely out of order. And everything in Chavdal, even though it takes place after Mishpatim, really took place. Uh, even before Parakyetet, which probably means well before Matan Torah. Okay, so Moshe goes up to Elokim. Hashem calls him from the mountain and gives him a whole, uh, a whole speech, uh, and says, "Elad sure to the bear el Israel So here, God explicitly tells him to say something to B'nai Israel. Note up here that Hashem doesn't say specifically to tell it to Moshe. He just says he gives instructions for the people, but doesn't tell Moshe to say anything. So maybe these stories can still be combined, right? There's what, Hashem, there's what Hashem tells Moshe as the outcome, and there's what Hashem tells Moshe to tell them. Okay, here's Va'yavo Moshe. That's the second. We had a Vayevo Moshe last time also. Is it the same Va'yavo Moshe or not? Well, this time Va'yavo Moshe comes, and he calls the Ziknei ha'am, and he puts before them, Kol Advarim HaShem. So this Va'yavo Moshe leads to Moshe placing Kolad Advarim HaShirtzivah HaShem before Ziknei ha'am. This Va'yavo Moshe was Vasapirlaam La'am directly. So we can meld the stories if we want and say that they're two separate episodes. Right after, right um, after Moshe comes back from being ole elohim, which is what happens all the way after Parikhavdalit, then he calls he calls the Zekhiniim together and he calls the people together. Just somehow those um, those narratives got uh, got split. We don't know why. And here again, the people say, Uh "Aha, that's exactly what they said in Chavdalit." So. Yeah, the same as with Bechor Shor. Is this the same thing? Right? They said the same thing, right? So it's saying that twice seems a little bit redundant, although it's not exactly the same, right? It's Kol here. It's Kol here. Here is Vayanu Kol Here is Vayanu Kol Am So we don't know whether to identify it or not. Now we have a new information here, which doesn't show up anywhere in Chavdal, which is that Moshe tells Hashem about the people's response. We'll have to plug that in. Somewhere in the middle of that story, if we want. But um, then Hashem says to Moshe, I'm going to be. I'm coming to you in the thickness of the cloud, so the people will hear when I speak to you and they'll believe in you also forever. And then we have it, it's an orphan pasuk, an orphan half pasuk. Moshe tells the, the people's words to Hashem. Which words? Hashem said this to Moshe, Moshe never told him to the people. So what on earth is, right, what on earth is that, is, are we talking about here? Um, right, we could say, Moshe. Hashem says this to Moshe, and then, right, we insert from Pasuk Hafez right, this is when Moshe comes, but that's a bit of a push too. Okay. Um, okay, we're back to Naseh without Nishmach, right? And then, Hashem says to Moshe, go tell the people to prepare, and he tells them exactly the same instructions that we have, right, Leich that sound like the instruction at the beginning of, Umasheh, Eloha, Elohim, right, uh, because tomorrow the mountains are going to come up, right? and they're not allowed to, they're not allowed to come up, so it sounds like this, and Yotet could now be the introduction to Haftalud, that's what Khafdal is talking about. Okay, so we could make Yetet the introduction to Haftal, we could make Haftal the introduction to Tet, we can try and put the stories in together. Um, I think we get that there are, um, it is extraordinarily difficult to try and construct any kind of chronology um, within these stories, because even within these stories, you have these mysteries, right? Why again, Moshe, Devrayam, Al which Devrayam, right? They don't get to talk him anymore, so this story doesn't make so much sense internally. Uh, and here, we have to figure out, right? What is right, what is he? What what is the purpose of this story? Why did they change from the Satan to Nishma? Right? Why does he only go up here if he was told to go up? Right? If, we, if we're told he was told that he was told to go up before the whole story. Uh, so neither neither narrative is perfectly coherent temporally on its own, and um, putting them together creates um, even right, creates possibly greater difficulties. We have to be like, are we really willing to uh, to allow a story in which? Um, we randomly cut back and forth between Prakim without telling us. Uh, without telling us. Okay. Are there questions at uh, at this point? Well that's our job today figure out if there can if there can be a way of doing it or not I don't know uh I don't know I wrote about uh, one of them <coughs> this week but we'll we'll look at a couple of them uh what I want to get out of it I hope we'll show you is first of all just some really brilliant readings of hope I'm, have been killed 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 for you already as to how right, how they diamond and read the story and then I hope that together we'll manage to we'll manage to come up with a uh with a uh, with a way of finding it meaningful okay so let's go back to the, um, let's go back to the, to the So the first Korah I gave you is the Mechilta. Uh the Mechilta says the following, So the first line of the Mechilta is, right? So the Mechilta takes the, takes the unambiguous position at the outset that the two stories are the same story. Perhaps. Right, sounds like it, right? Moshe Hashem. This is the same thing as Moshe. So, at the very least, the Moshe right? Uh, this is Amar, and this is he actually did it. So, at the very least, you have to say that, uh, right? In Parikhav Dalet, uh, it says, and Moshe had been told to go up to Hashem, and in Yotet, it tells us Moshe had actually gone up to, it, uh, gone up to Hashem. So, Yotet is clearly not happening after, um, right? It's clearly right not hap- not happening bef- um yeah i guess what, what if they're right now it says that uh moshe was told ted says Moshe already did it okay leave it to yourself because the next line in the filter will make i think the uh the temporal sequence clearer maybe moshe was supposed to go up um by himself uh sorry you think moshe, maybe Moshe went up by himself without hashem without without hashem telling you because it says here in the in Perak Yotet, right, in Moshe, uh, Moshe Allah El Hashem, uh, Elo Elohim, right, no, by the way, they got it wrong, because it's Allah Elokim, not Hashem. so it's just part of, we didn't talk about what the difference in Hashem and Elohim in that respect, so it says, no, nope. by putting these two stories together, since it said, Vil Moshe Amar Hashem, Vil shlo Allah el piha, el So that tells you that, right, because we're identifying the two, the, the two scenes, that tells you that Moshe went up because Hashem told him to. You might think, oh, hang on a second. No, maybe they're talking about different things entirely. Okay, so what is that talking about? So it turns out that I didn't give you a long enough stretch of Khamash that after the, 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 the story we read to, right? So we read to uh, in Pericultet but there's a whole long scene which goes all the way up to the Asar Hedib uh, right? So if we take it here, right? So that's where we are, Himei Uluvahar. Then Moshe goes down from the mountain and he tells the people, Yuh Nechanim L'shosh Yamim," right? Um, and then it's three days, right? Then it's three days later, everybody's scared. Moshe takes everybody out. They sit underneath the mountain. We have the whole scene with the, the smoke and the shofar. Uh, and we have Moshe Hashem comes down to our Sinai Hashem calls Moshe to the top of the mountain, and Moshe goes up. Okay, then there's a whole discussion where Hashem says to Moshe, go down again. Tell the people to go away, right? So this this sounds very much like what's going on in Perichef Dalet, right? Um, Tell the people to go away. And then uh, Hashem tells him, Hashem Moshe says, the people have to go further away, right? What the, right, Um, you already told us, right? So this is a mystery itself, right? why does Moshe have to remind Hashem, right, you already told, Hashem says, you already told us, right, all sorts of mysteries to figure out what that means, but then it's, the end of the story is, leich go down, ve'alisa atah ve'aronimach, and then you and Aaron should come up. So the, the um so the, um the, 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 the Chilter Shum says that this line, ve'alisa atah mach, that's the giveaway that Hashem is telling him to engage in the activity uh, over here that right? tells you that the both that these goings up are the same goings up, and so these two stories are really one story. We could question it. We could say, hang on a sec. Here it says Aaron right? In the parakeet ten, it only says right. It only says Aaron. So that's a uh, right. So there are lots of difficulties, lots and lots of difficulties. But I think the position of the Mechilta is uh, is unambiguous. That you have to read these two Prakim together, and so we, right, we have to construct a narrative in which everything that happens in each in each of the prakim, uh happens. But we don't know. But since the stories are being told, the same time timeline is is being is running on two separate tracks. We have no idea on w- in what order the things in the middle happen, uh, and we have to try and figure out for ourselves why the story is being told that way. And there's no reason necessarily to assume that they don't um that 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 everything in the two timelines is unique right it could be that many of the things overlap for example it could be it says Hashem Naseh, because they only say it once uh right so it's really right so this is right this is a you know, it's, you know if you were right if we were not in uh, you know teaching uh, teaching midrash you would say my goodness this doesn't look like a very firm theory that there are two different versions of the same story uh, covering the same timeline beings right but that's the Medresh assumes that that's part of, I think, of that it doesn't only mean that stories can be told out of order, it means the same story can be told twice out of order. Uh, and we have to figure out right well, why that is. Okay, so that is the that is the um the, the position. And that's the first parshanut approach we're gonna take. The second approach is Rashbam. here's what Rashbam says. So Rosh Hammes says something equally radical. But Again he tells you I did not do a good job of, of telling you where um telling you where this this section He says me may humosheniga shel arafel or some elokim. The emar shel machkutamar ben isra'el. Kol partiyot halolu adkan b'yom sheshamua aserat debrut. Aserat debrut. Okay. So what does Rosh Hammes say? So the macheniga shel arafel that takes place immediately after the aserat debrut. Right, the whole um, right, it's the end of the story, right? After they started happened, everybody, right? We have we have a sort of a narrator's, narrator's recap. The whole uh, right, everybody sees the kolot and the lapidim and the shofar, and they tell Moshe, You speak, let God not speak to us, lest we die. And Hashem, Moshe tells the people, Don't be afraid, but they're afraid anyway, and they stand far away. Oh, look, that sounds like uh, what Hashem tells them later. But here it happens voluntarily and not, but, and, right, and not um, as a result of a command. But then again, Hashem never, Hashem never told Moshe to command them to do this. He just said it's going to happen. So we could, right, we could have an interesting reading this way where what happens in the story is that the people do something that Hashem had told Moshe was going to happen, even though he never told them, he never said to, told Moshe to tell ben Israel it was going to happen. Okay, then Moshe Nigash al Rafael al Shasham al now Moshe goes up to uh, Hashem again. Presumably, if we're reading this little section in order, after the first of the Asar Brod, that's kind the way we say it, right? The people say, no, 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 we can't deal with it. And they stand far away. Now Moshe goes up for the rest of the Asar Um, Although if you read the Persian order, it could be that the people can handle the Asar HaDibrod, but Hashem wanted more. Um, 15, right? If you're in the Old Brooks universe, 613, whatever number you want to put in. They can't handle it anymore, so Moshe goes up. But this is all a post, but Moshe nigash al-Rafel is, it seems to be, that we can't argue that this must be a scene that takes place after at least the opening of the Aseret Hadvarim. So here's what Rosh says. Kala Halalu Adkan. Everything between that scene after the Aseret Hadvarim and where we are now in, in at the very end of parashat mishpatim meaning essentially the last aliyah of yisro and all of Parshat mishpatim everything everything in that takes place on the day of the assertion says that it is chronological everything that happened fr- right from after the assertion till now this is all chronological uh but now we have to figure out when on that day it happens so here we go so, Amar, so he says when uh, Hashem had, Moshe had been told himself to bo hayom, on the day he went down on that very day Hashem okay so now we have to say it so everything in this scene according to Rosh everything takes place Moshe is on his way down the mountain after the uh, after, probably after the, after the Aseret Advarim, although again all we know is on the day of the Aseret Advarim. Um and on his way down Hashem tells him, Go climb the mountain tomorrow. So now, right? So Moshe, Hashem says something to Moshe on the way down. Moshe continues on his way down. called and then he tells them, right, everything. Um, right, and then Moshe does the whole story. bayom Allah. Okay, so Rashbam has a very clever reading of the right of Perikhafdalat. He says, here's the simple here's a simple structure. Hashem said to Moshe on the way down on the way down this. Okay. Then Moshe came and right and Hashem, right. But but the Moshe came and told the people all of the right all of the Parshiot that we've had since. Pasuk, uh, since ha, since Perik ha, since Moshe are And everybody responds and Moshe writes it down. And then after Moshe's is finished getting all that done, then Moshe goes and goes up the next day in the afternoon after he's brought the karmanos, Moshe fulfills what Hashem said to him on the way down the mountain. So according to Rashadam, everything is in order. Uh, we just don't know like, why, why you know, it's, just, it's a fascinating structure. Right? He takes advantage of the pluperfect, right? Hashem had said to Moshe, um, all right, right, before all this happens and then Moshe comes, just this wait, we just feel like, why are we told here and Hashem said this to Moshe? Why does Moshe, or even if you say that he's not taking advantage of the blue perfect and he thinks it's in order, right? And then even if you think that Respam means things, and then Hashem said to Moshe on the way down the mountain, right? But this happens out of the blue after Parshat Mishpatim, uh, so it's really, uh, right, you could read it, it sounds like Respam thinks it means, right? So, first Hashem tells him the Mishpatim, and then he says to Moshe, go up to it, right, Greg, go to Hashem. The only thing we have to put in is, according to Rishbam, we have to put in the word Lemachar right there. Hashem tells Moshe, go up tomorrow. And then meanwhile, Moshe does all the other chores that Hashem had told him previously. And then he goes up. So this, I would say, uh, you know, this is generally my position about Reshbam. It's um, brilliant uh, on one level, and um, and I find it utterly I uh, utter, utterly wrong so, you know if i could say that on, on another level because rosham just flattens the story he doesn't address the question why why would you tell the story this way why do you have the sudden interjection go up tomorrow right why would hashem tell him come up tomorrow why doesn't he wait to tell him until he's done why does the next scene happen without any uh without without happen without um without any kind of uh re- reference to what happened before why does this happen immediately after Mishpatim? uh all right what are what are the cold Hashem? okay so hey, it is a very good answer cold river Hashem is everything before parsha's mishpatim and then he tells him parsha's mishpatim that's great all right you can figure out for yourself what the safe Bridge is okay yes <laughs> yeah i don't think i don't know there's such a thing as a pashtan there's a farish right I don't know what it means to be you know, being a Pashtun is not a job, I think, right? You know, your job is to be a Farish to be an explainer. Some people explain in, with using one methodology, and some people explain using another methodology. But you don't, I don't think, you know, not, he doesn't just give the meaning of the words, right? Rishon does tell you why he thinks you know, in other places. It's just that his wise, his wise to me all, oh, you know. I think I'll, I'll, you know, you've probably heard this, but it's been a while, right? I probably say this every every six months, if you, right, read the context of Parshashir, that my parade example, which is you know, uh, Rashbam that drives me out of my mind, I have two, two that, drive me out of, out of, that drive me out of my mind. One is Rashbam thinks that the Akeda was a punishment for making a bris with the Plishtim, which uh, right which is perfectly in order, right? We have the, whole, right, the mystery. Why does the Akeda happen right after the story with Abimelech coming and making a bris? So Rashbam says, well, it must be a punishment because he made a Brit with Ali Malach and he's not right. That suggests he doesn't believe that God will give him the land. And to me, like that it so cheapens the akeda to make it a response to that. But it solves the literary problem, like why does it happen in order? And the other is that Rashbam thinks that um the reason the Malach comes to fight with Yaakov is that Yaakov wants to run away, and that would be a Chilil Hashem. So the Malach stays with him until until it's morning and it's too late to run away, and then he leaves because he has nothing else to do and right that you know again that solves the problem why does the malach leave why does why does the malach come then what's his purpose but it, it takes away any kind of internal struggle within yaakov right It right it you know it, it just makes it that you know the malach could be you know could be you know uh, yaakov could have you know could have said that god sent uh god sent a, a stick and yaakov tripped and sprained his ankle <laughs> right which have, have no more meaning so that the yeah, that that is my general uh you know that's my general difficulty with rashtam i you know, i i always have to say that you know that I, that you know that this is, that that example by the by the yakov drives you know tries me mad on one hand on the other hand i you know when i read it taught it again some years later after i first taught it i realized that i had totally un, not appreciated the brilliance of his uh of the interpretation that he has a whole right he connects it to bilam and bilam right and that sometimes right sometimes when you're when you're going against god's will that results and you're being injured, right? So it's just like you know, really for him, it isn't. It is exactly the same as being tripped and spraining your ankle, right? Which is what happens to Bilam, right? The Bilam's leg gets crushed by the donkey, and who cares if it's a donkey or a malach? And if you get hit by being crushed against the wall, or because somebody wrestles with you when you act against God's will, you get injured, uh, right? So it's a brilliant reading. It just takes all the meaning out of it, <laughs> right? So that's what I think you know, here too. I I don't uh, I don't get it, but I have to acknowledge that it's you know that. What he gets, uh, Professor Steiner um, shows that um, Ramban's great, methodolo- sorry, great methodological um, accomplishment is something called inclusio, that he recognizes that, you know, envelope structures that sometimes you, you, you open something and at the end of the story you're not you're not really going in order. What you're doing at the end of the story is you're going back to the beginning of the story. It's not, right. So the end of the end of a unit doesn't have to relate to the second to last thing in the unit. The end of the unit can go back, right? Can be a capstone and relate to right, and relate to the to the beginning of it. So, for example, right? You can have a scene which which a whole unit which ends el moshe, and really what it means is the opening the the, the unit opens moshe do this, and then we have a long story about all the things Moshe did in order to fulfill it, and the last line is moshe It doesn't mean that then Moshe did kol shert It's a narrative summary, right? Hashem told Moshe to do this, so that's what happens here. Right. Rashtrama is in it right. He says, Oh, look, right, in the beginning, it says that Moshe was told to to go up, and the end Moshe goes up. So who says that what happens in the middle has to be directly related? The beginning and the end go together. And that's right, that's a brilliant insight that you can read, right? That you can read the whole narration as saying, and God had said to Moshe, and right, that's in your back of your heads, right? the if you're like an old an old silent film, there's a card of a film saying, right, God had said to Moshe, right? That's and then we you fade to Moshe, right, Moshe showing up, right? And everything makes perfect sense narrationally. So the other thing to get, right, is that um even though um Rashbam doesn't always convince me in that way, or often but so I, this is my own theory, um very much influenced by no, I guess I would say that this is Novetsky, who is the um the now, I guess like you know, the incredible founder uh with his with his wife and children of alatora.org. Um so his 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 um masters uh was an argument showing that um that Ramban often, re- often refers to, if I'm right, often refers to Rashbam and really even quotes him without without ever mentioning him by name. And I think that you know can show, I think it's also true of Bakur Shur. And I have a more radical version of Hillel's thesis, which he's not sure is correct, which is that Ramban almost, right, that on Marty's distinction between what a Pashtun does and a Mifarech does. So Ramban rarely does original work as a you know, Pashtan in that sense, putting the pieces together. He often builds on Rashbam and B'Horshur, but he adds it, but he gives it a completely different meaning. So we'll see if that's what Ramban does here. Uh, when you're reading Ramban, it's often if you're like, it, it pays to go look at um, to go look at Choshor and Rashbam um, and you'll 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 I think not infrequently see almost word for word quotes just without their names. And if you want to understand what Ramban is doing, so then you understand Ramban often what he's doing is adopting their readings and providing new meanings.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I, well, that's not exactly what I was saying. Let me try it again. He's only what whatever says is only within Chavdalid. I didn't realize it was my fault. I didn't realize I wasn't sharing the screen. Within Chavdalid, what he says is that this is the introduction. Hashem told Moshe, and then all bunch of Moshe does a whole bunch of stuff after Hashem tells him that, and at the end, this is the capstone, right? Yeah, you know, Hashem told 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 Moshe, and Moshe and Moshe did a lot of stuff. All the while, the back of his mind is, "I'm gonna to have to go up tomorrow because God told me to." And then, after he gets all the other stuff out of the way, then Moshe goes up on the mountain, right? So the whole, all this narrative tells us is that everything Moshe does, he does. And we could say he does it under deadline, right? Whatever else, whatever, whatever Moshe does between here and right, this whole section takes place under deadline because Moshe knows, says Rashbam, that he's gonna to have to tomorrow. He's got to go up the mountain because God told him already.
1: No, only Chaf. He doesn't say your territory. He says it in Chaf. Yeah. that's right okay good okay
0: so now let's move on to Ibn Ezra Ibn Ezra just uh, says uh, everything that right, everything that has been happened up till now these are all the conditions that Hashem has that Moshe has to tell Israel. then he says to Moshe after he tells him everything else Right, after you make the bris, right, go up, right, so Ibn Ezra really reads it the same way uh, the same way Rishbam does, maybe a slightly different section uh, as to when Hashem tells Moshe, because Ibn Ezra explicitly reads everything in order, right, first Hashem tells Moshe everything they have to do and everything they have to tell B'nai Israel, and then Hashem tells Moshe, right, Ibn Ezra really reads the whole thing together, Hashem gives Moshe a whole lot of laws, and then he says to him, you know what, you got to tell all these laws off screen, you gotta tell all these laws to Bnei Yisrael, and then after you tell all these laws to Israel, Yisrael, and now right then, right, then you then you'll have to come up to me, and so now Moshe goes right. So that's that's what 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 Yisrael puts in is that El Moshe Amar, is after Hashem tells him all the things you have to say to Bnei Yisrael, then he says, and by the way, after you tell those things, then you'll go up the mountain, and so now he solves the problem. Like why is there there this interjection? Uh, because you just have to put in right so we go back to the story according according to um according to I mean right we have to say is that the last thing that happens before right it's somewhere back somewhere back in the story right before ve'la Mishpatim right um uh, right back in back in it says it says or even in it says Elohim shared to the and and then Hashem tells him all the things and then after he finishes the things that Moshe has to tell Ben Israel, he tells him one more thing. And by the way, when you're done telling them all those things, come up the mountain, all right? And then Moshe goes and he tells them everything, and then he goes up the mountain, all right? So according to Ben Israel, the narrative takes place basically in uh, basically in order. Um, okay. So we have the Mechilta, which thinks the two stories are two stories are exactly parallel, and we and the order is wild. And Rishpaba and Ezra are basically trying to put everything together, uh, everything together in order. Uh, but here's Bichor Shor. Bichor Shor says, Bel Moshe Amar Kodem Matan Torah." Okay, so Bichor right, uh, Shor, uh, Shor says, "V'al Moshe Amar Alei El shem. That means, right? That's the beginning of Parakhaftalad. That has to be before Matan Torah. That has to be back in Parakutetz. Okay and the horshore tells you right what what do I mean by that so the horshore says ve al moshe mar la hashem according according to the horshore that has to be going back to periketet and it's going back to uh um, it's going back to ve el moshe va ya al moshe where is that here no, so where does this This uh, is Vay Moshe Vayal. that's not the right one. That's not the right one. Oh uh, here. All right? So here, this is the this is the line. Okay, so Bakur Shore says that's talking about this. Okay, but now we can ask ourselves interesting questions. Okay, so this is where Hashem calls to Moshe. Now it says Vaya Moshe. Over there, right? So when, so when does all of Perik Chuf, the story in Parashat happen? Does it happen between here and here? Is it just a flashback? Hashem had told this to Moshe, and Moshe already did it, and we don't know why. Right? So you just have to plug in all of this into the very beginning of Parashat of, uh, in the beginning of Perik Talad, and then right then Moshe right then Moshe comes down the Omer to him. Right, now this is a puzzling thing. By what is that? So, is that the sort of Is that our portion? Right. So, there's still lots of mysteries as to where, as to uh, where we are. But the leaves that you, you can't read the story in order according to the at all. Um, not right because he reads it. He reads them um, that what happens in the beginning of Per-Khifdal, it really happened all the way before Mount Tentera. Okay. Uh, so let's try and see if we can do Ramban together. And uh, okay, so obviously the acronym are not going to happen. Uh, okay, so here's what Ramban says. He quotes Rashi, which uh, I didn't I didn't do it directly. But obviously, if we're doing straight intellectual history, we have to relate to Rashi. So he quotes Rashi as saying that this whole parsha, not just that one line, but the whole parsha of Perch of Dalit takes place um, before the Asher of Debrot. And he right, Rashi gives you dates, Right? Where That's the Okay, so that happens before right? that, hap- that happens before Matan Torah, And yet, right, so this story, which happens in Perikhav Dalad, happened before Torah, and that line which happens in Perikutad happens after Torah. So according to Rashi, so says, I don't understand what's going on here. The Parshas are completely out of order. And I don't understand the meaning at all. all. Right? It doesn't make any sense to me at all. So Ramban is very puzzled by Rashi's really pretty wild reading. The Ode, he says, and it also says in Parshavs Dalek, Steve, So what Mishpatim must mean, he says, is Parshat Mishpatim. How can this be before Ma'at Torah? If he's telling a Mishpatim, you're not gonna tell me that they knew about the Mishpatim before Montandora. That's right. That, now this may just be a lack of imagination on Ramban's part, because like, because yeah, how crazy you're gonna make me? You're gonna make this the story which is actually about the in the in the order that happened before. The story which is before Matandora happened after. Now you're gonna tell me the laws which which are to, which are recorded after or really told to them before? That right right, Ramban, right, his head is spinning too much to uh, to handle that. Right? Shame, right? He's, but, and, but he also doesn't believe that you can have the word mishpatim at the end of parsha mishpatim and not have it relate back to the beginning. Right? So he says it can't be. It can't be that Moshe tells them now about about normal you know, normal extra Torah civil law. Or he can't even read or an we also have a medrash that says that the Samlo Choku Mishpat the Sham Nisahu at Mara. So, right, even if you don't think that the learning is just Samshev and Mitzvah, it's the learning of the Dina that we given at Mara, that can't be because already, they already told about them. So, why say it now? Velo Yomar, so now it's interesting linguistic here. He says, Velo Yomar, Vaisaper, Elebechadashota Sheryagi. So, Rabban says, if we look, right, this in Perakotel, it says, called the Kol, Yvayasham, um, Vekol, Mishpatim. And vayisapir, says Ramban, has to mean new things. You wouldn't say vayisapir about thing, about reviewing things they've already heard. I have, um, I have another thing to point out here, uh, which you can check. But I think vayisapir is a very odd verb here, generally, because vayisapir, this is the last time, according to Concordance, that I can check, that vayisapir shows up in Torah. And that's because Vaissa isn't talking about, right never talks about laws. Va talks about stories. Um, so there's a there's a mish, there's there's a, a mismatch between Le'am Koldi Reh Hashem and Mishpatim. and I would like it to be much better if you could find a way that a calledive Hashem is Moshe telling something in a narrative as opposed to telling them laws. I think that that goes even further, And Abdel Ramban. I'm also not convinced that the word Mishvatim has to mean laws specifically. Um, I think the word mishpatim certainly now that it has to mean civil laws, but that's a mystery all through, right, all through um, Humash, trying to figure out what exactly Chukim and Mishvatim and Taurot and, and, and Mitzvot, right, exactly what they are. Every, everyone, every Akron has their own theory and I have not been convinced by any of them. Okay, but Ramban, Ramban says he finds the out-of-order readings utterly implausible. They don't make, right, they're, a, they're out of order. B, he doesn't understand what they mean. C, they don't explain the word vice pair well at all. D, you can't make the word mishpatim he thinks mean anything other than a reference to veila mishpatim. I guess what I would say, you know, as a modernist, I would say is that it has to refer to it somehow. It doesn't mean it has to be equal to it. But there has to be. But yeah, I'm convinced that there has to be a reason that Parshat mishpatim ends with a reference which does not show up any of the other. Uh, other versions where Moshe tells the people things using the word Mishpatim. Okay, so Ibn Ezra got it right. Uh, right? Now he has more than I quoted Ibn Ezra. Okay, so Ibn Ezra comes up with the idea that Parshat Mishpatim is the Sefer Habrit. So everything happens in order. Hashem, tell, right, they tell them Kol Mishpatim means that Moshe tells them everything he's been told, and then he writes it in a book, in the Sefer, in the Sefer, and Everything happens in order. Okay, was well, what happens now? The Parsha, the says, come, in, come, in and they come in the proper order. When is over, on that day, Hashem says to Moshe, and this is right, right. Yisrael, and then he re- repeats the Book so that we talked about um, last week, the whole Parsha. With the Varazara Gilly Raya all about the Mizbeach. And then he tells of the Mishpatim. So now we have a Divrei Hashem. Divrei Hashem is this. And then we have the Mishpatim, that's the rest of the part Mishpatim. The Chola Mitzvot and everything that happens after Mishpatim. And then he finishes with Azara Varazara, that's the very end of the part Mishpatim. Okay, so everything, everything uh, works. Uh, works perfectly. And this Aleil Hashem, right? But now we figure out how to relate to Ketet. This Aleil Hashem is what Hashem tells Moshe. Now, where did it say Aleil Hashem Harun? Let's go back and see. Where did it say Aleil Hashem Harun? That is, sorry, that is, that is, let's the meaning the Hashem, right? So, Moshe right? So, that's right. So, after everything's in order, then Hashem tells Moshe uh, this and it will solve the question of right, why did it take so long the way Rashbam did that, that this that in between Moshe going up he right he tells them everything and he writes it down but the parshiot are basically in order um right it's just first hashem talks to moshe el moshe amar Le'Hashem hashem is the end of hashem talking to moshe and then moshe actually does it and then he goes up in the mountain so one of the disadvantages of this is, is it loses the tense of el moshe amar it should be it should just be vayomer like, hashem el moshe of El is, is a little bit weak, but we could solve that by saying that it's important that you keep in mind that, um, that Moshe knows he's going up the mountain before he actually writes the say for everybody. Okay. Um, um, okay. So now Parsha. Um, okay. So the Parsha tells us. right? Moshe does it. He comes to the camp. He tells him everything. All right, as fulfilling Kod Tamaral Bnei Yisrael right after they started broke and the mishpatim as in elah mishpatim asher tasim lishneihem and they accept everything b'simcha of kol asher diber Hashem nase what does that mean? But right, he has a brilliant reading of kol 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 asher diber Hashem means kol v'rima ela asher diber lecho Hashem nase ki mamima na'achti b'dverecha they're showing their faith in Moshe by saying we believe that everything you said is what God said okay. As it says right now, and, and Ramban says, I don't care that right. That in Devarim we can tell the same story again. So he brings in Moshe's retelling of the story, um, right, Where the people say, "You tell us right after the Sares The people say, "You tell us everything that Hashem said." So if we learn in Devarim, right, so nobody can read the, th- the Torah completely in order because everyone understands that Devarim is a recapitulation that fills the same timeline as um, right as as Shemot through Bamidbar. So Ramban says, "Okay, that's not cheating." So I'm going to plug in from Devarim that Bnei Yisrael told Moshe, "You tell, you listen to everything Hashem says and tell us." And now they, t- now Moshe comes and tells them, and so they say, "Yeah, we'll do everything that God said and we believe you." And now he says, and then Moshe wrote it down. Wrote it down. Cut down. Moshe, right? Moshe writes them down, and Moshe writes on that day a book of everything he's been commanded up to that point. And he calls them right. He writes. He calls it a safer Bris, and he wants to make a bris on everything. And he builds an altar and everything, right? The the Karab b'Azinim that he writes this book that he said, and the Kiblu Aleim Oud And comes up with, I think, the coolest We all read it as called Rima Rima Ber Hashem Naaseh veNishma, right? This is all in relationship to God. Right? People say everything, right? Everything that everything Hashem said, we're going to do and we will hear. And we have all the naseh and nishma exciting material about that, but Ramban says, hang on a sec. When they said kol shir deber Hashem naseh, what they were really doing was expressing faith in Moshe, because again he reads this on the basis of dvorim. The tata barely right kol shir deber So now what is nishma ad? So Ramban has an incredible line. He says v'kiblu aleim od levo be'britim o v'yamru kol shir deber Hashem naseh v'nishma elecha v'kol shir tzevem eitoyit so Nasev Ishma means we, right, we agree to right, we believe that everything that you've said so far, and we promise to we promise to agree to whatever else you tell us God says. Right. So Naseb Ishma is not about the Jew's relationship to God. Now seven is about the Jew's relationship to motion. And the point of the Brit is that right is that is that Israel not that they commit to doing more of what God says because that's already established. The point of the Brit is that they agree to Moshe's authority, which I think is an astounding an an astounding reading, right? And then he goes through it and afterwards, afterwards he says um afterwards Moshe goes up, afterwards Moshe goes on the uh goes on the mountain. And he says I saw the Mechil, the Mechil, about this, there's a position that um that uh, that, that I quoted that this all that this all takes place before Mount Rabbi Rahuda Rehuda says, "No, nope, this is all takes place on the same day after Matan and he says, "The Lizeh Shom'in." Uh, right? and we listen to Rabbi Rahuda Rehuda, because he got it right, and everybody else, everybody else got it, uh, everybody else got it wrong. Okay, so you can see methodologically what Ramban did. Um, I hope you can see um, that what Ramban did, as it suggests, is he took Ibn Ezra and Rashbam's reading but he added a completely different valence to it, which is that what's really happening in the story is not about B'nai Yisrael's relationship to Gash Baruch Hu, I mean, it's not about finalizing that, it's about B'nai Yisrael's relationship with Moshe, and that explains, right, so now he has a much deeper meaning there right, that Moshe can't go back up the mountain to Hashem until he has the people committed to him, and not just committed to, and not just committed to Hashem. And maybe we could add the for Ramban, what going to say is, so now we understand what goes wrong? This, I, I'm just thinking of this now. So You'll tell me if you find it convincing or not. Maybe Ramban is in some way saying is, why did Bnei Yisrael fall apart when, they, when Moshe disappears? So the answer is that if Bnei Yisrael just committed to doing whatever God tells them, so then they can just wait for the next person to tell them what God tells them. But if Bnei Yisrael have already just gone through this incredible experience, which they commit to Moshe. And they do this because they couldn't handle direct access to God. And so they needed Moshe. And they tell Moshe, God shouldn't speak to us directly. You should speak to us. And they make a bris. So and the whole point of it is, And then Moshe disappears. So it's not so much fear of being in the desert. It's not so much fear of, they don't have a connection to God. They don't know what to do anymore. They have lost, right? They just gave Moshe the authority to be the source of law. And then Moshe disappears, as if we were stuck, right? As if we, you know, um, committed to halacha, and then somebody took away all our precedents, and no way to get new ones. So Ramban takes the right, takes Rashbam's reading and Abayes's reading, but he gives it a completely new meaning. Um, but then the question we have, to, we have to ask ourselves still is whether the meaning, whether his reading is convincing, or whether a better reading is the one offered by the other side of the Michilta, uh and by Rashi. Um, which is that really there's too many parallels in two stories and the two stories really take place uh, simultaneously and we have to take advantage of all the ways of reading of reading the stories as an intertext as opposed to reading it sequentially Uh, okay so that's that's all I have to say Uh, so at this point if you have questions that would be a uh, I would add one I guess one just one other thing which is that the advantage of putting all these stories before mountain is that then you move directly from the from Matan to the ego, and it is sort of an anticlimax, right? To have Matan and then it's just sort of this stuff that happens, and then the ego happens, right? It seems it seems sort of you know it's it seems uh, plot filler, right? You know, None of it matters anymore, right? Really, uh, right? So we've seen other attempts to do it, but we saw a couple of weeks ago that I forget um, the the uh, 19th century, right? That of David Ehrenreich who suggested that the end of Parshish, of Parshish Yisro is really just a vision of the halakha, the way it was supposed to be before the Egelazav. The Ege comes and messes it all up. It was supposed to be a much freer religion. Um, but so putting everything before Mount and uh, right, solves that kind of drama problem. But then we still have to ask the question, so why put the why put this thing here, right? Why? I think that you know, the deepest question you have to ask, which we have not addressed in any way, is... There are all sorts of things that are done you know, about the placement. the deliberate, to me, you know, the, the starkest thing is immediately after. Mm-hmm. So what's the first, what, what do you get What's the first laws we get for a civil society? So that to me, right, That to me is um, that to me is you know is obviously there to set up a very profound irony. And you know, probably the easiest explanation is to say that it shows you a vast gap between the divine ideal and what the people are ready, are ready for as a society, uh, right? If right if that's the society, you know, if that's a record of the society, the only thing you can do, whether, right? Even as you're, you know, they've had the, the best possible demonstration of how much God hates slavery. And yet, when you're setting up a civil society, the first thing you have to do is figure out how to regulate slavery, right? So clearly there's a serious gap and that gap prepares you. Or the a right because if there's that gap is if on interpersonal behavior their gap that gap is so if understanding the importance of human autonomy the gap is that great so what are the odds that they can be persuaded you know persuaded to worship the you know the completely intangible god of the philosophers uh, right so it might be that that we could take the reading that says it's it's chronologically it all happened before but that where it, it happens afterwards because we need a bridge from the sublimity so the sublimity of the certainty to the reality of the Egil Zahav, and the reality of the Egil Zahav is a reflection not just of this, you know, incredible religious desire, but it's a it's a reflection of this just massive gap between what God wants and where they are, and then the rest, you know, the rest of Chumash is trying to figure out if there's a way to make it, um, in some way, sustainable, uh, to right to fill that um, to fill that gap. Uh, okay, thank you. That was very helpful.